Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Welcome to White Lion Fever. My name's Steve Mascord, and our first guest is a guy you've heard on the last two episodes. Uh, it's Aaron Jonathan Black. From Scorpion Child, from um, Aaron, um, I just I just wondered whether um, uh, being like being picked up by someone like Eddie Trunk and him taking an interest in your band, I'm very interested to hear from the other side of the fence whether you see a spike, um, whether you whether you uh, get a tangible uh, result from that, whether that takes you to a new audience or whether it makes no difference at all. Well, you know, I mean, I certainly think Eddie Trunk, I met Eddie Trunk, uh, it was kind of in a fleeting moment, uh, side stage at a down show. Uh, but, you know, I he, I don't know if, I think he shows off the air now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the TV show, uh, yeah. I, yes, yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I think his, his, you know, his show reaches a, an audience, like a large audience. Um, that's, that was really good for us. And I think that there was a huge uh, interest in the band after it. Mm. Uh, what's sad to me is there's not more Eddie Trunks out there. Mm. There's not more, you know, there, shows are getting canceled right and left. And it seems to go back to what I was talking about, where it's like everyone's trying to kill rock. Mm. And kill, you know, like, it's, I mean, they're not maybe trying to, it's just like, like, everybody says that they want it, and they want it, you know, they really, oh, yeah, man, it's such great stuff, rock and roll, but there, there's, like, a fight to keep this, preserva- you know, preservation going, and he was one of the forefront guys, one of the forefront guys in preserving it mm. by any means necessary, and I really just wish that there were more people like him in the world. I read that you're not a bit huge fan of Pledge Music and Kickstarter and that sort of stuff because... You sort of are a believer in the link between art and suffering. I mean, can I'm really fascinated by this. Uh, always been fascinated by it. Can great art come from uh, rich people? <laughs> and I suppose shit art can come from poor people. How 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 much do you believe in that link that you need to suffer to create great art? And are, are there oh, are there exceptions? I, I I understand. Like we're part of a, a Kickstarter campaign right now for. A really cool idea, a really cool movie that um, some friends of ours are putting together. Uh, I think they've raised almost fifty thousand uh, dollars with the campaign uh, for it's called a, the Planet of Doom film. It's an animation with uh, a lot of bands that you're familiar with, mm. and and us, you know, like Orchid is on it. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of bands, uh, great bands that are a part of this uh, mothership and you know, that are part of this animation. Uh, but there's a Kickstarter campaign for that. I think that it's, you know, really important for the film and sound aspect that they have the, the opportunity to have investors come on board uh, to, to do a project with multiple bands and multiple, um, you know, artists. Uh, you kind of need it for something like that. But as far as us personally as a band... Um, I know, you know, there's talk, you know, bands talk about, well, man, if, you know, if this label doesn't work out, why don't we just go and put our next record out with a Kickstarter campaign? And, you know, ah, no, it just feels gross to me as an artist in my own band. When I make music and and Alec and, and John and AJ and Chris and I are in a, in a room together making music, like... I want people to be able to invest in that after they decide that they're wanting to invest in it, rather than just like pushing that expectation on people. Now, the, the, they have the option to invest in it by buying an album. Mm. And I think it's really important that, you know, that kind of gets preserved. Like, I don't want it to change so much. Like, I guess it's an old school way of thinking and just being kind of hard headed and rebellious. But I just feel like it cheapens, like, what we're doing. Like, oh, you know, like, let's let's push this on you and make you invest in something, you know, and then 
and then hopefully there's fulfillment in the end, you know? I think our time's up. We've got to play another song and, and, and get you on to the next interview, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. What, what song would you like for us? Oh, she thinks I killed
is Aaron Jonathan Black, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Okay, welcome back. Third part of our interview with Cherie Curry, and uh, as usual, the third part, we're squeezed for time. But I want to ask you some sort of broad brush questions, Cherie. I, I wondered, you've been a drug and alcohol counsellor. Um, the expression, if I, if I knew then what I know now, I wondered, have you a- actually sat down and maybe done a shopping list of what those things are, what you may have learned about human nature over the years um, and about the nature of the music business, um, the stuff that you wish you knew back then. Have you got, have you got a few things in mind? I definitely do. Um, number one, don't ever ask anybody's opinion. And if they give their opinion, don't listen to them. Because you've got a path in life, like they have a path, so they can't see your path. So even asking is going to be a big mistake. Anytime I've listened to other people or did what other people wanted me to do, I failed miserably. When I did what was in my heart, what that little voice in my head was telling me to do, I've never failed. Not once. Mm. So my strongest advice is, you know in your heart and in your soul what you're doing on this planet. You know what your path is. Don't ask anybody to understand or to believe in you. You just believe in yourself and go for it, and you will make it happen. You start listening to other people, and it's going to be a disaster. How does how do incidents like being kidnapped by a stalker change you? Um, do you let them change you? Um, do you do you try to learn from these things, or do you try to forget them? Oh no! I mean, for me, I was so blessed that I survived because I shouldn't have, and so I, I walk away from this. Uh, I see people that are so much worse off. People that have done the people that have lost their lives, number one. But people that have been maimed forever uh, from their kidnapping. So I, I got I got away injured, but I got away alive and with all my limbs and and everything else. So I just am grateful. Mm. And I think it's very I've been speaking out about it because it happened when I was seventeen years old. I've been speaking out about it ever since it happened, mm. and. Um, I really felt that that it was important for me to share my experience, and I did it in both my books, uh, and I walk away each time I talk about it just a much stronger person. I mean, I, I'm a survivor, complete survivor, and I've, I'm not a victim, even though people would like to argue with me on that. I did make mistakes. I, I got in that car. I didn't listen to that voice in my head, even though I was around my friends, and even a guard there, I something told me in my head, you, you shouldn't do this. And mm. we always never listen. Mm. Mm. And that was my mistake. And sometimes I even find say, saying that out loud on social media will get you in a lot of trouble. Mm. Uh, because that was my mistake. But you know, I have to take responsibility for those mistakes. But um, I think that... Uh, you know, I'm just glad that I'm around, that I could tell people it's okay, and you survived, and good for you, and uh, you're going to be a better person for it. We are out of time. We've only scratched the surface. I could go on and on. Thanks for joining us, uh, Cherie. Um, have you got a third song for us? Uh, sure. Why don't you uh, play Queens of the Asphalt Jungle from Reverie?
Shotgun in the night Tattoos fade, winds blow Hours getting late Somewhere in my dreamscape Broken down again Out of gas and common sense Driving on my burning bridge Soon I'll be home again Far from the speed traps Road hogs and road maps Ooh, well, I'm the queen, I'm the queen, I'm the queen of the asphalt jungle, yeah. Feel it every time I put in the top. Okay, welcome back to the program. We are in Birmingham, the home and birthplace of heavy metal. <laughs> but this is the this is the rugby league uh, part of the program, and uh, I'm here with Australian coach Mal Meninga. Mal, how are you enjoying uh, Birmingham? Yeah, no, it's been really a bit chilly here than we're, we're, we're used to. But um, I wish I was a heavy in a heavy metal band or something like that. You know, playing guitar or drums or something. <laughs> but I always wish I could be a, met- a musician, but. Yeah, no, unfortunately, you know, I had to go the other way. We'll get you to uh, play a song at the end of this, pick a song, so we'll leave it. <laughs> did you ever imagine, like, and maybe you did imagine 1994 over here in the Kangaroo Tour, did you ever imagine that you'd be sitting here as, as coach of the Australian team? Was it something that was in your head? No, I never really expired coaching, to be honest with you, and um, I fell, fell upon it, you know, with the Raiders um, when Tim Sheens left, so... You know, I fell upon it there, and then after five years, realised I didn't want to be a coach. You know, <laughs> so that was a that was a bit of a it was a eye opener for me. But then, obviously, the, the opportunity to, to coach Origin, which is sort of more like what I do. I mean, I haven't got the temperament or the or the, the personality to be week in week out. You know, I'm I'm a bit of a bit of a nomad. You know, mm-hmm. when it comes to life in general. So mm-hmm. I guess that's my ancestral roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the the, the the representative program sort of suits me and my style and and the way um, I like to be involved with rugby league, I probably got the best job in, in rugby league to be honest with you. It's funny you mentioned this is going off on a tangent but I actually saw Vanuatu play home international yeah. against Nui and Jake who's your nephew That's it. he played and I didn't know anything about that blackbirding um, but is it your grandfather was it your grandfather who married an I- great grandfather he married yeah. an Irish girl it, yeah. and that allowed him to stay in Queensland yeah. I've just married someone Irish hopefully going to help me stay in the UK but um, <laughs> but, but I mean the blackbirding thing you don't really read about it like in Australian history you just it's just like non-existent you don't read about it do you? yeah no it's a bit of a I guess it's a bit of a shame, you know, on on Australian history, you know, how that all come about. Um, but um, you know, it was a fantastic experience for me. I mean, our elders, so within the the South Sea Islander elders, um, they, they don't like to tell that story either, because it is. I mean, that's want to move on. They want to be, you know, part of Australia. They want to move on. They want to make their their way, you know, in a, in in, the, in this world, you know. So. Um, it was a great adventure for me and great experience, emotional experience for me and, and actually understand where we come from, where my great-grandfather lived, how he got on the boats and how he was coerced and how he you know, started to you know, work um, on, in the cane industry, in the, in the cane farms and then 
how he, how he married uh, Marianne Kelly. It was, wasn't because he wanted to stay in Australia, it was for love, for mm-hmm. romantic, mm-hmm. bit of a romantic uh, tinge to it all. For the record, I'm the same. Yeah, for the same, exactly <laughs> right. For exactly right. And then, obviously, they had six kids, and it just it just opened up my my ancestral, you know, eyes up and... Um, now I know I know that you know people come up to me often, not often, but say this I'm I'm related to, but now I actually know what the, the bloodlines are now. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really good experience, not only for me but for my whole family and those all my peers and my family are all the same age and they're all my cousins and all my brothers um, now under, have a better understanding of where we come from. Justin O'Neill has some Vanuatu heritage, doesn't he? Have you spoken to yes. him about it? Uh, not yet, no. Um, we have I have spoken in the past and he actually played for Vanuatu, or part of the Vanuatu you know team as well, so yeah, no, it's it's um, it's 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 a great hist- historical story. Um, like I said, not often told. Um, it's put on the put on the back burner when you talk about Queensland history in particular. But you know, these sort of things hopefully will bring bring it to new light, and you know, people actually understand and know a bit more about it. Generally, when there has been these sort of black stains historically, they do bubble to the surface in the end, and there's some restoration sought or some apology sought and that sort of thing. Do you think that's going to happen eventually? Well, that's already occurred. We've already had unique recognition through the Australian government way back in 1994 and then Queensland government in 2001, which I was was part of all that. So the recognition um, about being unique Australians um, has already taken place. but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's like I said before, it's a story untold, and it's good to keep on getting it out there. And and it was part of that white Australia policy too, you know, that occurred at the beginning of the of, our, of the last century, I guess. And um, and it wasn't only wasn't only South Sea, it wasn't only Pacific Islands, it was was the English, I mean, not the English, but the Italians, the Greeks, everyone, you know, so all part of all that. Well, we've got bigger fish to fry. Uh, we've got a, an interview to go on with. So I warned you. Um, if you, I remember back in those tours in 1994, particularly, it was all chisel and midnight oil and ACDC. Still the same. Still the same. So the kids today, their musical taste pretty poor. <laughs> um, so what, what, give us a song. Give us a song that you remember from back then. When we were away, you know, K-San, all those sort of things from Chisel and We Are the Champions from, you know, uh, all those sort of things were, you know, prevalent in, in, through my era. I, I must, I'll confess that a lot of the players today actually love that sort of music oh, yeah. as well, so we got that happening in the dressing rooms afterwards. It's not all Kanye of, and Adele. No, nah, it's not all Kanye. It's all, <laughs> it's all a bit of Stradiata with us, you know, a bit of ACDC. Well, I remember we toured in, in 82, uh, we are in Avignon and ACD. ACDC were there actually saying the same and they complained about they complained about the behaviour of Jeff Prenter is that true? <laughs> I think they did I think they did we got on their bus we went to their concert we had a great time afterwards uh, what that I can remember of it but uh, we're out, outside and with a big fire uh, we're not in the hotel we actually found some busy, uh, a bit of grass somewhere and built a fire and and uh, had a few drinks and you know uh, told stories and, had, and played a bit of music as well so great times give us an ACDC song to finish up then oh god Come on, um, sorry off the cuff. I can't tell you, mate. Well, uh, you want a Bon Scott era song, or do you want a Brian Johnson era song? No, uh, bon, bon Scott. So, like Highway to Hell, yeah, uh, Highway to Hell, um, a long way to the top. Oh, wait, all those ones. Okay, <laughs> long way to the top. No, we'll yeah, a long way to top. We're here at the moment, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
and you're listening to White Line Fever with Steve Mascourt. Welcome back to uh, the program. Third part of our interview with Michael Wilton from Queensland. Michael, I've just got I've got a few things written down, and we're, we're sort of running out of time. You, you, do, people are fascinated by Chris Gamo, aren't they? They they kind of fascinated that someone could be on their bedroom wall and then have no interest, or you know, to just disappear completely from the music industry. I just wanted, do you? How, are you in constant contact with him, or do you hear from him much? How's he doing? Has he ever even gone close to coming back? Uh, just all that sort of stuff, which I'm sure you get asked about from time to time. Yeah, well, Chris and I are, are friends, definitely. You know, our family families are, are friends, and, uh, you know, we, we do stuff together all the time. You know, I golf with him all the time, actually. He's really good at it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, as far as the music thing, you know, you, you'll have to talk to him. You know, get his perspective on it, but I think you know he's he's happy doing his gig. You know, he's flying up in the air. He's a pilot, and uh, you know that's something he always wanted to do as a kid. So, um, but as far as you know, getting back in music, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. <laughs> Sounds like there might be something going on. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Uh, one thing that I have read about and one thing I strangely haven't. The first thing I have read about was that when there were two versions of the band uh, going around, that that there were comments from your camp that you were being undercut somewhat and that the other version of the band was driving the sort of market down by charging hardly anything for gigs. Is that Has that damage now been rectified? Is it, have you recovered from that now? Did it, did it hurt you? Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, that's... That- you know that in a nutshell that's that's what we call the rebuilding process mm. you know it's uh, uh going from a situation of being damaged goods to back to respectability again in the industry and that's mm. something that we've worked very hard at you know we've been touring our asses off for the last four years and rebuilding the the damage that has been done and uh we're still doing that yeah, yeah, and the, the the other thing, which I I can't understand why I haven't read about it I, since two thousand and twelve, I've not read a word about it, and I have to ask you because it involves line, it involves a lineup, so it's a kind of a public issue. It's not a private because it involves a lineup change. I don't think most fans can understand how you can have a split when someone's son-in-law is in one camp and the other guy's in the other camp. It's a lot of people have asked me, how does that happen? So I'll pass on the question. It seems to be a complication and sort of a thing that hasn't been spoken about. So how does it work? Well, I mean, Parker is obviously, you know, that that whole situation, he's, he's you know, displaced him from, from that. So he's, mm. he's not part of that family anymore. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's doing his thing with us. He's, He's single, you know, having the time of his life out on the road being in Queensryche. So, yeah. you know, he made the right choice. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that must be the hardest thing, of, but it never gets spoken about. I understand why it doesn't, but when you talk about the personal impact of something like this, it's uh, it really brings it home to people. I think people can identify with it more when they can see it on a personal level. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's, you know, it's all, it's all good, but it's just, um, you know, choose your battles. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he he chose this battle, and he wanted to to, to be with us, and uh, you know, be with Queensrÿche. So yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you know, we we try not we try not to dwell too much into the personal aspects of that. It gets a bit confusing and complicated. It does, but I think it it really makes people understand that it's not just uh, something on blabbermouth. It's actually a, a real people involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know. <laughs> Uh, Michael, it's nice of you to join us, and um, uh, we, our time is up. One, uh, one more song. Okay, here is the title track, Condition Human.
Michael Wilson from Queensryche, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to the program, and our next guest is from a band that we've been trying to get on for years. It's uh, Ryan O'Keefe from Airborne. How are you, Ryan? Good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Now, because I've been, uh, I don't want to come across like a stalker, but because I've sort of been watching you guys since the early days, I've got a big backlog of questions I'd like to ask, but... I'll, uh, I'll hold off for a second and ask you about the new album because I'm sure that's what you want to talk about. So it's breaking out of hell. And Matt, is the interest going up with each successive record? Uh, tell us about um, sort of uh, how much uh, interest you've had. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was sort of, uh, I guess, with, ever since Phil and I started the band a long time ago when I was 11. Uh, that's actually going back when I'm 30 now. So that's like 19 years. And, uh, yeah, just... Doing the do, playing rock and roll. I mean, doing what we've been doing ever since we were... I mean, the first gig was when I was 13, so, yeah. <laughs> now, I've I kind of seen you guys from playing to 13 people in the Amber and playing, uh, you know, in Fortitude Valley right up to Sweden Rock and Leeds and in Canada opening for Motley Crue. And everything's been an upward trajectory. And I, I just kind of wonder... Do you find yourself analysing, are we still going up, are we plateauing? Do you find yourself worrying that things might drop off or, or, or flatten out? or you know, do, 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 you, do you ever stress about that? Ever since uh, my brother and I started the band, there was never a plan B, and that's honest. I mean, we moved the whole band to Melbourne to go on basically on welfare and didn't get jobs for the purpose of only going to find gigs. Hmm. Um, so back then, there was never, ever, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're going to keep going, we're going to move up, and that's that's the, that's the way it's going to be. And the mentality still remains today. There is no, there's no plan B, and there's no, there's not even a sort of thought of things dropping off. And they haven't, you know, it's mm. just been growing and growing and growing. And I think the second you doubt yourself in anything, um, it's, it can, it can affect, you know, the way you approach what you do. Yeah, I mean, you are at the mercy, I guess, of of the fortunes of rock and roll itself, um, you know, and, and there's not a lot of new bands who are playing arenas or stadiums, that, you know, are playing this kind of music. So, you know, do you, where do you, where do you think rock and roll is at at the moment? Where do you, do you, do, I mean, people that have been talking about a revival for years, it's, it's kind of, um, it's finding its own level, I guess, at the moment, isn't it? Well, the thing is, the last 10 years, pretty much the, the, the crux of our career, uh, was the worst that the music industry's ever been in since music was invented, basically. <laughs> um, so, but, that being said, we're on the back end of that, but, um, absolutely. We've seen an absolute big change out here um, where money's, money is coming back in um, through streaming services and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's it, I mean, it's literally easy to listen to a song on Spotify than it is to download it on your computer and upload it to your phone, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and people want what's easy. So, um, it, you know, we're on the back end of what was one of the worst sort of periods in music, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still glad we went through it because you learn a hell of a lot. And, uh, and there's definitely, there's definitely a, a revival of bands because, um, there's bands here in Canada where we are now that I've seen. There's a lot of bands in Europe, so yeah, it's all happening. There's um, what about like I noticed? I think the first time I saw you, you were playing. You played Kings of the Sun on your backing tape, and I, I, I think I saw you when you opened for Motley Crue. You're playing Barnsey. I mean, um, do you do you see yourselves as um, as flying the flag um, without trying to uh, coin a song title? But also, do you think that um, rock and roll is underappreciated in this country? Like we. Well, you know, the airplay here is like, you know, you you hear Bon Scott more in any other country than you would hear on the Triple M here or whatever, you know. So, like, is that a source of frustration that maybe the, Australia doesn't appreciate its its heritage in that regard? Um, oh, look, I think it's always been that way. You know, it was, that, it was like that for NXS. It was like that for ACDC. Um, it's um, in regards to sort of rock and roll music, you know, if you're into any country town, they love it a bit. Um, but as far as mainstream services, no. I mean, I guess, you know, the thing is, it's one of those things that um, people, I mean, they, they, it's, it's not, it's probably you know, what I was talking about before. It's um, people going for what's safe because the period of music was so hard mm. done by um, the last 10 years. But that being said, you know, we have seen some festivals go down, but I'm pretty sure downloads coming 
to Australia and, um, you know, we hope to see another resurgence on that level as well. Uh, okay, time for a song. Ryan, what have you got for us? Uh, let's do Thunderstruck.
white line fever. Going down, land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. And you get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.